0: everybody how are you doing how are you living austin cunningham and justin trees coming to you today with another episode of talking football but a little bit of a change of pace we have a guest the great tony parks is here if you've heard riley if you've seen him on twitter you know he loves this guy and he told trace and i about it and we were just kind of like all right yeah we'll, we'll have him on we'll see how it goes i ended up having to miss the first time ended up being so good of an episode i was like i can't even come back like just let tony take my place <laughs> there's no reason for me to be here uh Finally, you know, we get we found an opportunity for him to come back and join us. I'm, I'm all excited to be here with you today. Uh, we were talking a little bit before you used to do daily radio, I'm currently doing that, and in the podcast here with Tree. So, being in the mix of this, it, it's going to be awesome, it's going to be a fun episode. I know that people in the Utah area definitely know who you are. Outside of that, you know, we're going to kind of expand your audience here a little bit as well, here to the Midwest of Missouri, with where I'm from. And you are a Chicago Bears fan. Even after the loss this weekend, you are repping it. You got a, a Bears jacket on. I see the Bears hey, logo on the wall behind you. You know, lifelong fan. And I heard you guys even talking about the Cubs before. Uh, let me stop raining here and give you an opportunity to talk, Tony. But, man, how are you doing outside of everything else?
1: Oh, man, it, it, it's been good. You know, I, I, I know with real-life stuff happening, and, and we don't have to go too, too much into that. It's pretty obvious and what's been going mm-hmm. on you know, of the last year for so many people and how it's affected people. You know, it was nice to every single week look forward to something like a game. It was not even if it meant complaining about my team, you know, which we did a lot this year for very good reason. And we're going to do that here on this podcast. It was just that was a great source of normalcy. And I'm sure you guys in a lot of different ways felt that, too, you know, with college football, finally having a week-to-week thing, uh, you know, and, and my Wolverines looked atrocious, but then even, you know, the Bears looking the way that they did this year. Football really kind of gave us something. And here in the state of Utah, we were the first ones to have high school football. Uh, we did the TV broadcast week in, week out. We had a Thursday, Friday kind of doubleheader thing every week. And it was, it was very therapeutic. Uh, I, I will say uh, football this fall – meant more to me than it ever has and it was special uh it, even if the results are are not you know what you ultimately hope for the game is what we love the most
0: absolutely um so you guys were doing double headers of high school football is that what you just said
1: yeah we had a Thursday night game and a Friday night game uh on television uh the broadcast were, were terrific uh with what we were doing with uh Jazz and KMYU out here in Salt Lake City and so Dave Fox, Alema Harrington, they were great. I was doing the sideline reporting and we kind of had an open mic situation. Coaches were so great to deal with the, the number one thing that happened out of all of it was just so much gratitude, even though the, the finals and the semis weren't, you know, at Rice Eccles Stadium where the University of Utah plays. It was at Cedar Valley High School, but people were really happy about it and thankful and grateful. So, um, you know, it, look, COVID has far more negatives than it ever will positives. But one of the positives was self-examination. And, and I think a lot of people with what they ultimately love, they compartmentalize that the right way. I think there are a lot of people who start to appreciate people that they love in their life the right way. Um, so uh, being around those kids and having a chance to, to broadcast their games and give them something special in a year, they didn't know if they would have, uh, th- that was a great blessing this year for sure.
0: That's awesome. Yeah. Uh- Speaking of everything going on this weekend, the NFL, you know, they just had their super wild card weekend. Um, (laughs) It was a busy weekend for me sitting on the couch doing nothing but staring at my television, and I'm not complaining. I absolutely loved it. But today we're going to be getting into Zach Wilson, uh, the conversations with him coming out of BYU in the NFL. Uh, His rank has honestly just skyrocketed, and it did even more after the Monday night championship game with you know the kind of the performance that we saw from justin fields against the top tier defense of alabama uh we're going to get more into the college football thoughts as well with you and then the offseason and future of the bears i also heard you mention that you are a michigan fan (laughs) before we get into anything else i have to ask what are your thoughts with harbaugh getting that extension like Uh, is it just michigan saying we're fine with being mediocre and not beating ohio state for the next five years too
1: yeah, it is. Um, I'll tell you, you you have to really start setting where you want the bar to be. And I've stood up for Jim when I think that it's appropriate, when I thought he was getting too much criticism. And then at other times, uh, I, I shake my head and say, no, no, that can't happen. And the drop off this year was unacceptable. They have had problems with that defense against any sort of athletic offense. And that can't happen. Right. So now Don Brown is out. And, and we'll see what they're going to do going forward with the defensive side. This is a guy that won 10 games in three of his first four years. And this was a guy that took over a five and seven dumpster fire that was getting trapped. in a The one hard part to, to the Michigan fan out there, as uh, I know many of them as I am one is that when Ohio state has it going right, when they have it all clicking, when they, when they are doing things the right way, you wait, your turn, you take a back seat. They're better. They have far more uh, resources. They have far more uh, players to pick from in their own backyard. They don't have as many academic restrictions. Uh, They are. And I mean, there's blue bloods and then there's among the elite of the blue bloods. And there is a difference between Michigan and Ohio state. And in that regard, you have to accept that reality. Now giving up 62 points in a rivalry game, that's not acceptable. Uh, (laughs) Losing the way that they did to Michigan state this year, that wasn't acceptable. So uh, Jim is a very interesting situation, but I, I think as long as Ohio State is operating the right way, Ohio State will decide whether or not Michigan gets to win. That's just that's just the point blank truth. As hard as it is to accept,
0: it's crazy to hear a Michigan fan be accepting of that fact. No, just, it is what it is. But it a sucks, always... man. But it's true. I mean, <laughs> yeah,
1: it, uh, Michigan's had some great teams by the way in the past, and then you watch them get hammered. And, and some people are like, this is terrible. It's like, no, that's a better player, better player, better player. And an elite level coach like Urban was and handed over a great culture to Ryan Day, who, who by the way, did a great job last night. E- even though they lost the way they did, I, I thought they, they squeezed out every drop out of that orange.
0: I think that's a very fair statement to say. I mean, that's the perfect statement, especially with everything they dealt with, with the Big Ten being like, we're not having a, a season. You know what I mean? They, mm-hmm. I think some people kind of forget that with how crazy this year has been is that the Big Ten started off college football. with like, we're not playing. Like, I'm sorry. You know, the testing that we've done and, you know, some of the lab reports that they mentioned and came out with it was just, we don't know. And then you get a guy like Sir Yacht who comes out of, you know, left field. and was like, oh, they're going to have a season. I got this inside source dude goes from like a hundred followers to 30,000 overnight. And it just feels <laughs> like, dude, you're just BSing everything. And all in all, he ends up being right. And so for Ohio state and Ryan day to just kind of come out of that and find themselves in the national championship. Yeah. You play Alabama, but you know, Justin field is dealing with an injury too. And I think you're exactly right. You know, they got every bit of juice that they could out of that orange this season. And, and it's, it's, the way it falls. You know? So <laughs> a guy we haven't heard from Justin trees. Like how's it? This guy's just sitting in the background over here enjoying the conversation. How are we, Bob? I I really am.
2: Yes, everybody, I am here today. <laughs> I am on this episode.
0: Um, <laughs> so it's funny
2: because I had like a hundred questions as as we were talking. Like, so you were talking about Utah high school footballs. So I wanted to talk about like Jackson Dart, who um, ended mm-hmm. up not choosing one of the Utah teams, either Utah or BYU, which I think everybody was kind of hoping that he would stay. You know in the state um, and kind of be that pride and joy since Zach Wilson is going out, um, obviously going to be going to the NFL, but Jackson Dart chooses USC over everybody else, which you can't fault him, right? Like every, everybody grows up wanting to be a quarterback in college and going to USC. That's kind yeah. of where it's at. But um what did you see J- uh, Jackson Dart in person?
1: No. Yeah. Very much up close. Um, uh, as a matter of fact, uh, it, his mom, Kara, and I ran into each other at a Nordstrom's like four years ago. Uh, crazy long story, but there was like a friend of a friend who said, oh, her son plays high school football. She's like, oh, you wouldn't know who he is. He's a freshman. yeah, He plays at Roy. I was like, Jackson Dart? She's like, yeah. I'm like, no, yeah, yeah, yeah. And, now he's, and, and I knew back then this was actually one of the better quarterbacks in the state because he was dealing with a depleted offensive line. And no offense to Roy, they didn't have the numbers. Uh, junior high football is still hurting that area, by the way. And Roy High School, the, uh, the proud alumni of, uh, of uh, Jim McMahon. So uh, he ends up playing there and was so good, that the McMahon family actually were, they were going to allow Jim McMahon's number in retirement to come out and for him to be able to wear it. They, they said it would, it would have to be an extremely great player. And, and that's what they found. And he turned down. He turned it all down. He said, no, I want to make my own journey. And thanks so much. And he, th- this kid is so incredibly humble. Uh, he works with special needs children a ton and never talks about it. So I forced the issue to talk about it because <laughs> he just it's just kind of his thing. He really looks for uh, special ways to help a lot of different people. And uh, he's a very humble young man. But his dream from the time he was very young was to be a Pac-12 starting uh, Pac-10 back then uh, starting quarterback. And you have to remember that Utah wasn't one of those teams back then. Um, so when he's envisioning where he may want to go as a little boy, Utah wasn't one of those places. Now he ends up, uh, uh, with his parents whose dad played at Utah and his parents said, Hey man, at like nine years old, they sat him down and they were like, let's get real about the investment and what you're going to have to miss out on. And he committed himself to it hundred percent. Um, I've never seen a quarterback make it look so easy. I mean, he has every skill. He's the ultimate CEO of a football team. Um, he has supreme level of confidence and humility, I think that mixture is tremendous, and and I'm excited for him at USC. Yeah, yeah, for sure.
2: And he started as a ninth grader, right? Like oh yeah. He started he started varsity football as a ninth grader. Oh yeah. And was, and was good, not like a garbage kid. Like he was very good.
1: He <laughs> like, was like exceptional with nothing in front of him. I mean, they're like third yeah. string right tackle, ninth string left guard, and he's out there like running as the snap is getting to him to roll out, to try and make a throw. And he's like dodging people. And I mean, it was incredible what he was able to to get out of that team. And uh, there was a senior who was there and the parents were frustrated and they sat down with the head coach and the head coach was like, well, let's watch the film. And the head coach was like, I don't know what you want me to do, but this freshman kid is not good. He's exceptional. You're getting beat out by an all time talent. Now no varsity game had ever even happened. But they're just sitting there in camp like, I can't believe how good this guy is. Now, his mom was very concerned because she's like, well, wait a minute. I, I thought he was going to maybe play some sophomore ball. And he's out there with the big kids now. Not phased one bit. There's not a stage that phases him. There's nothing at all. Uh, he is primed for every moment, everything he's ever done. He's mentally envisioned it long before he did it. That's awesome.
2: And he's and he's in a perfect situation with USC. He's going to sit his freshman year sit down really understand what it takes to be in la be in a big school and then most likely take over as a sophomore i think
1: that's awesome i could totally see that happening
2: so so okay so let's move on to zach wilson so um you kind of got i wouldn't say got into it but like you called some people out when people there was some nfc uh execs or scouts that kind of called out Zach Wilson for his off field, the way he handles himself and his parents and all this saying that those parents are hard to deal with, which from outside looking in, I never thought that. And I'm a Utah fan. I never thought his parents were like, I mean, they're always on the TV, obviously. Right. Like they, they get a lot of attention, but I'm like, I felt like they were always like, they understood like what they wanted their kid to be. So you're very close to the Wilson family. So let's kind of, let's lay this all out. Like, what do you, how do you feel about Wilson and his family?
1: Oh, uh, first of all, and I'm not just saying this because I know them. Uh, I have met high school athletes in the past that were arrogant. I have met the um, the sports dad who was brutal to deal with and, and uh, you just couldn't wait till the kid went on to college so you wouldn't have to deal with it again. And Look, I, I, I've dealt with difficult people and uh, th- th- his parents are the farthest from difficult. They're easy to deal with. They're gracious. They're very, very humble. Uh, they're always uh, appreciative of anybody and any opportunity to talk with people about their kids. Uh, they never get arrogant in any sort of way. Um, they're, they're fun to be around. And more than anything, uh, they just want people to be fair when giving an assessment about Zach, even if they're critical. Uh, Lisa has always been okay if I was critical. Uh, Zach made a poor decision in a state semifinal game. And I was very critical of him and she was okay with that. He made a very poor decision as a freshman in a game against uh, Boise state where uh, with seven seconds left. He took off, ran, didn't get to the end zone. And I didn't give him an out by saying, Oh, that's a freshman mistake. No, he knew better. And I know he knew better that if you throw the ball, you get two plays. If you run it, you get one. He just tried to gamble and lost. Lisa has always been okay. And and the sports talk host that was calling it like it is with her 18, 19 year old son. And I was being critical. And I was kind of one of the only people not letting him off the hook. She was cool with that because she just wants you to be fair. That's it. And the criticisms that were made to him about him were beyond unfair to ever claim that somebody's parents are a certain way because of a financial situation is asinine. To ever claim that because a family member owns a business that might be very well known, that that somehow has led you uh, to be a, a person that lacks moral character or that lacks humility or that lacks accountability is pathetic, is beyond pathetic. I mean, if you looked at the logic and the reasoning of this scout, It was everything we're trying to get away from in this country. Now, I know this wasn't about race, so I'm not trying to compare exactly those two. But my point is, anytime you use an element of somebody's identity and assess their morality or assess their lack of ability uh, to be competent or to lead or to be what a a team needs them to be is beyond unfair. And to, to consider something like that acceptable, because whatever the the Uh, the marks against him that you're going to make is something that people wouldn't feel sorry for another person for. Like no one's going to feel sorry for someone with money. No one's going to feel sorry if your uncle owns JetBlue. But to say, okay, now it's okay to just make this criticism and hold off. No, you're not doing your homework. You're lazy is what it is. And then it really makes you start to think, was this an NFC scout that's really trying to plant some negative thoughts and emotions to hope that something could happen and shifting him around in the draft. I have no idea because in the draft, the Liars Club is always open. And I think every scout would tell you that, but I, I just thought it was beyond unfair. I thought it was 180 degrees incorrect. Um, and, and, and I thought uh, it's, I, I thought it was embarrassing for whoever it was.
0: And I think that is very well said. Um, And you bring up the point, uh, or you kind of hinted that way of, you know, maybe someone trying to put that poor taste of, you know, name or, you know, words in his way. So maybe he can fall in the draft because he really has had one of those, you know, skyrocket, you know, type of deals this year, similar to what we saw with the Baker Mayfield or Joe Burrow, where no one's really talking about him, you know, last year, you know, last year after the draft, you know, all these guys do, future mock drafts and it's like who might be up here zach wilson's really not being talked about mm-hmm. about mid-season you know i don't remember which reporter it was comes out and he has like zach wilson top five and everyone's like what like this kid like at a byu there's no way the competition level that he's played it's not that good there's no way and then people start watching games are like oh my gosh this guy's you know this dude's making throws and then they give him the nickname like mormon mahomes and i'm a chiefs <laughs> fan so that you know that gets my attention i'm like what we got a Mormon Mahomes over here at BYU. Get out of town. And then I start watching some games. I'm like, holy smokes, look at this kid go. And like I said, it's just one of those things where he's really skyrocketed. And now a lot of people are deeming him as the second quarterback in the class. And when I, we started the episode, you know, I brought up Justin Fields because a lot of people thought Trevor Lawrence, massive gap, Justin Fields, Heisman favorite at the beginning of the college football season before all this COVID issues, you know, really took off and the Big Ten almost canceled their season. Zach Wilson is really throwing himself in the mix here and is now deemed as the second best quarterback in this draft with Trey Lance right on his tail. And whether the NFL does have a combine or not, Zach Wilson has a really good chance to be the second quarterback taken off the board, if not the second pick to the Jets. And depending on how this goes, it's going to be an exciting you know, draft combine type of process here for the next couple months. Have Is this something that you've always seen with Zach Wilson or is it just one of those things? Because personally, I don't know with BYU, like I mentioned, I didn't have any idea who the kid was until I heard Mormon Mahomes and it was just like <laughs> a light went off. Like what? Uh, have you always kind of seen that type of play and level with him where it was just like you look at him, he's like this is an NFL talent. He, he can be a guy that can come in and be the face of a franchise.
1: Yeah, the, the one thing about him is is completely fearless. Um, but he was fearless to the point that I thought he started taking gambles he didn't need to make early in his college career, right? Um, yeah, had some pick sixes I know he'd want back, things like that. And what is crazy is, and we all know the story, he drove to LA and he worked with so many different quarterbacks. And he drove, you know, 10 hours each way. Um, His unquenchable thirst to be not just a good QB, but to be elite at whatever level he's going to be at really matters to him. And he's the guy that if he had a Grand Canyon size gap between him and the second best quarterback, he would work just as if they were neck and neck. That's his mentality, and I love that about him, and I noticed that about him uh, at a very young age, and that's one of the first things that really impressed me. He didn't have to polish his game in some ways, and he was constantly doing that. It matters to him. Uh, He took it personal that he could make the big plays but also the catastrophic error in his second year there at BYU, and you saw the difference uh, there in year number three. Uh, The amount of mistakes were incredibly minimized, and then the amount of explosive plays even went up uh, an entirely different level. The arm angles on throws, rolling right 65 yards on a, on a line and nails it right to his guy on a dime. I mean, th- those kinds of throws, you could get the feeling that those weren't a once a year, okay, he got a little lucky. No, he, he knows what he's doing. And then his ability to to be able to do that and minimize those mistakes this past year, I thought really cemented everything. His body looked a lot better too. I thought he got a little bit bigger. Um, he really kind of came into his own, like you said, and so he deserves all the credit he uh, that he's getting. But the best thing you said, the most accurate, is I do think that there's a notable gap between one and two uh, in this NFL draft, this particular draft. Damn
2: yeah, straight, there is because uh, my my team's going to get him. Oh, you're, you're let's jacked, go right? let's go let's go um okay so let's let's answer the question that everybody wants to know from tony and that is let's pretend byu and utah played christmas weekend so we're far enough into the season now yes. let's let's ignore the first couple of weeks of the season who wins if byu and utah played utah yeah thank you they have the
1: better players they they um, really do this is a this this really... <sighs> This Go has ahead. always been a really hard conversation. But <laughs> I, I, I sometimes have to really discuss this with BYU fan the same way as I do a Michigan fan, right? When Utah is operating the right way, you wait your turn now. They have the better players. My goodness gracious. They had how many guys stepping in for the first time. And by week three of their season, you're going, these dudes are pretty stinking good. Uh, week two, that first half, you're like, these guys are pretty stinking good. Um, there is so many players that just started to elevate and hit a different level. I, somebody pointed it out on a tweet and I'm for, I, and I forget who tweeted it out. It's just a, just a, a fan. And I, and I, I, I should be ashamed because it, it was a very eye opening thing. It was like in 11 games, BYU faced uh, one five-star guy and like 18 four-star guys. I forget what the it right in that neighborhood and Utah had faced something like 15 five-star guys and 86 four-star guys in four games yeah i remember you i remember you retweeting this and actually
2: saying something about
1: this it was really glaring and the point is that there is a sizable gap anyway between power five and non-power five but if power five is operating right and utah really has something going now with recruiting depth of their coaching staff culture competence of their coaching staff they're loaded up in that way and so I thought if it had been their very first game, I like BYU to beat them. but after that, I like Utah because they have better players.
2: yeah that's why I wanted to specify making sure it was the end of the season because I, I totally agree yeah. I think BYU probably would have got him early just because the guys were so new. So um, and I don't want to be the guy because rest in peace Ty Jordan like such a sad story but right if the, if Ty Jordan, heaven forbid did that did not happen. Like this Utah team next year is maybe one of the most special Utah teams we've ever seen. Like with everybody coming back, Ford coming back, and Lloyd and Keithy, like we have so much talent coming back. Like this Utah team, like this is actually the first year that I've been like, this is a Rose Bowl caliber team yeah. even two years ago when they were good like I didn't start off the year thinking that they were going to be that good right um they end up getting you know they're ass kicked by Oregon and then by Austin's Texas Longhorn so that wasn't very enjoyable for me but like this upcoming Utah team I think is has the chance to be very special in the Pac-12
1: I think you're 100% right now I think uh, Brett McMurphy who I've always been a huge fan of and and uh he sent out his way too early top 25 which which was always fun to do that but he had Utah at 11th as the highest ranked Pac-12 team. And I think the next ranked was 18th off the top of my head. I don't have it in front of me. But a couple of things. One, Pac-12 down. And this is Utah's chance to really seize control in a lot of different ways. I thought this past year was some of the absolute best work in Kyle Whittingham's career. Okay, the record's one thing. People would look back at it and be wondering why. But they had so many guys out there for the very first time and you could see snap to snap, week to week, game to game, everything like that, that they were really taking not just baby steps and getting better every day. There is a standard at Utah now that you are not to get improved. You are to get great and you got to get there fast because we got a guy standing right behind you who's ready to jump in there. They're building that depth like you're talking about, but it's the quality of play. They're now gonna have a quarterback battle, and it's not gonna be anything close to what the Travis Wilson, Connor Manning, Brandon Cox. Remember that? Where you're like, Yeah, somebody's gotta be the starter, and then we in the media are like, I think solid so is gonna be great. And we all knew that we're not quite so sure, but now. They've got dudes who I think are ready to jump in there day one and they're going to be pushed with the depth of that QB position and they're going to be fired up and ready to go for a purpose. I I think I think Utah this next year has a chance to be special in the Pac-12 again. However, the gap between the Pac-12 and what they're looking up to with some of these other conferences is bigger than I think they would like to uh, like to admit.
2: For sure. And that's why I think for me it's not like college football playoffs is a goal. I'm like, can we just get to a Rose Bowl first? Like, can we can we get there and then we'll worry about everything else? Okay. So I got one more question before or before we move into college football playoffs, because I know we want to talk about that a little bit. So have you heard any rumors about so obviously the big rumor right now is Urban Meyer may become the Jaguars head coach, which Again, I am all for, um, I want to step outside the box. And I think Urban is outside the box. I have heard that he has been reaching out to Morgan Scally to be his defensive coordinator for uh, the Jacksonville Jaguars. If he takes that job, have you heard any of this type of stuff?
1: Uh, I've heard the same stuff that you have nothing in terms of any close sources of mine to confirm that. But it is interesting with Urban having genuine interest to go into the National Football League. I think that jump for a guy that is so entrenched in college the way he is to make that move, it is a night and day difference. Every team you faced in the Big Ten did not have the same advantages that you had there in the Big Ten. Every team in the NFL has advantages. You are It is all level, man. These are all five-star dudes. Once you hit the NFL, you're a five-star college player. That's how that works when you're on a 53-man roster and it becomes a very challenging task to win week in and week out. I'm curious to see how, when as a college coach, you have full control of everything that ever goes on. And then in the NFL, it's a very different thing. I don't think Urban and, and Nick Saban are the same people. That's not my point but I'm saying with the way Saban operated and was able to do what he does when he went to the NFL, I mean, it unraveled on him fast. I'm curious how Urban would handle that because nobody takes a loss harder, you know, (laughs) and which is why his health was in question. Uh, You know, nobody wants to win more and and it it will have a different level of resistance compared to what it was at the college game.
2: For sure. And I, I get those concerns for me. It's like, Jags have been bad for so long that like if you're gonna miss miss going big with Urban and not yeah. like Mar- Marvin Lewis like I don't want <laughs> no disrespect but I don't want I seventy year mean. old Marvin Lewis you know <laughs> so um, okay go for it yeah yeah exactly exactly okay so college football playoffs um I think a lot of people are saying the same thing this week um after yesterday's debacle of a championship game that like what does college football need to do to fix this? Because it is literally the same. You can say five or six teams and four of them are going to go in and it's most likely going to be one of these two teams that are in the championship. And one of these teams are going to win, right? Like that's the big thing. Like there's just such a huge gap and really none of the playoff games were fun to watch. Like I, I the Ohio state game was fun just because Justin Fields was on fire and mm-hmm. the, the, Previous year, Clemson, Ohio State was probably the game of the year. So like everybody tuned into it, but really like they were all blowout wins. And so in your opinion, what do you, what would you do to try to fix the college football playoffs?
1: Well, there's a couple, I mean, the difficulty is the gap between the SEC and then to the big 10 and then to many of these other conferences, depending on how you line it up financial gap is, is starting to grow. And we're already seeing that become a major disadvantage for some of these other conferences. I mean, the ACC is a one team conference uh, in, in most years, uh, the big 12, we know that, that after, you know, kind of their top two teams that you can count on every year, the gap then begin, begins to grow there. And even then those programs, I don't think are operating at optimal level. Um, I would love to see something where they could find a way to unionize some things and to get more teams on more of a level playing field, but I don't know exactly how they operate that. An expanded playoff would be nice, you know, uh, to get to something like eight. But the one big thing I would like to see that I think would be good for college football is that the gap between the P5 and the non-P5, as we've talked about, Austin and, and Justin, it continues to grow financially. And I think that the talent gap is starting to get very glaring, not just noticeable, very glaring, Grand Canyon size. And when I was an AP voter, one of the most difficult things to do is to take a team from a non-Power 5 conference and a team that's playing really well and undefeated, and they've got stats and they got this and they lead the country and this and that and the other, and try to somehow honestly, intellectually, insert them into different spots of a top 25 ballot and treat it in some way, shape or form as if it was at all the same thing as playing Oklahoma, Texas, Oklahoma state, Iowa state and TCU and back to back to back to back to back to back weeks. I mean, it's just, it was so hard to do. College football needs to start with this. The G five and the P five need to compete for separate championships. My opinion. They need to compete for separate championships and they they can play in the non-cons. They can play in the bowl games. I'm okay with that. I'm okay with, with playing each other, but it is becoming ridiculous when people are bantering for Cincinnati, who I thought was a very good team and all they want is to see this team with a chance. So well, I got news for you. I think there's six, seven, eight, really good G five teams every year that I would love to see compete with each other and try to win a title. But for anybody to sit there and pretend for one minute like going through anybody in the MAC or the AAC is the same thing as battling Bama, Auburn, a and Mississippi State even, you know, and then turning right around and facing LSU. And to pretend that you have that kind of depth is ridiculous. And then what college football does is that they pin a non-Power 5 team against a Power 5 team in what is definitionally a consolation game, which is what these bowl games are. Some of them have cool halftimes and parades. They're consolation games by definition. And so one team may be totally disinterested and the other one's got everything to prove. And, and then we try to use that as some sort of barometer. It's college football has got to get out of the business of intellectual dishonesty and one of the first steps to do that, in my opinion, is to have these two groups play for separate titles.
0: And I, I don't know what's taken them so long to realize that, honestly. Like, you've started this college football playoff, and it's been awesome. It's been fun. It's, it's nice to see, you know, a playoff happen, you know, like Ohio State winning their game, and, then, you know, they get to come here and face Alabama. Kind of cool. Kind of cool to get to see that again. But guess what? We've already seen this. Like Mm -hmm. we've seen this game happen a couple years ago, Ohio state wins this year, Alabama kind of gets redemption, but like you bring up a team like Cincinnati who has, you know, plenty of upperclassmen and a quarterback who's coming back a great edge player who is also coming back. And so their talent is going to be there again next year it's just like you mentioned, we're probably not going to see them in the college football playoff. And if they do, they don't have the depth to compete at that high of a level in a playoff type of game, like an Alabama, Ohio state, a Clemson. I mean, shoot, even Notre Dame at this point, who, who knows how good they're going to be next year because they're losing, I think four offensive linemen and a four year starting quarterback in Ian book. It's, it's so up and down, but at the same time, at the same time, to your point, Why haven't they realized this yet? Like, why can't you just have a a power five, you know, is like, these are the top guys. Let them compete at a championship. Everyone else is good. No disrespect. No. You know, like, be honest with yourself. You're not as good as these guys and compete here. Like, you still get a national championship. You still get to have that parade, you know, and that celebration but you're just, you're never going to be up here. Like you can't consistently keep that and It's no, no disrespect. It's just the honest truth.
1: It is. It really, really is. And Justin, you know, this, I mean, it's, as it a Ute fan. You watched your team go through what was a great season at 11 and one, but you know, you go on the road at USC on a Friday night and all of a sudden you can't quite find that rhythm. And a third string guy comes in and starts lighting the world on fire You find yourself in a hole, you get an injury and you lose, you know, where, as I feel like the G5, what they're trying to do is find that right P5, G5 game. And I used to have G5 uh, SIDs and assistant uh, ADs that would email me and lobby for their team to be in the top 25. And one of their arguments is we beat a P5 team. It's like, okay, you beat Illinois. That's nice. But, but they would what they would try to do is beat a P5 team, one P5 team, and then say, okay, copy, paste, copy, paste, copy, paste, copy, paste, all the way down. This counts the same. And it's just stupid. It's so stupid. And then you get national pundits who are just pandering to these markets, slamming their fists down on the table and making these arguments for these teams when they know in the back of their mind that if you were to throw them into something like the SEC West – if you were to throw them in the Big Ten West, they might be a 500 team. Some of them, not all, some of them. You know, I think yeah. UCF a couple of years ago may very well have won the Big Ten West, right? Like, so, for just sure. Be serious. But if we got into playoff conversation, they meet up with Ohio State in the Big Ten title game, forget about it. Yep, see yeah. you later. I,
2: I mean, look at it just from, again, going back to Utah last year, right? So, like, they will lose the one game to, USC on the Friday night, like, but then they beat every other Pac-12 team by 30, like literally dominating. Like everybody was like, "Yeah, this is a top five team." They went into the Pac-12 championship. If they won, they made the college football playoffs, right? Yeah, they get they get hit in the mouth against an Oregon team who was very average, and then they go and play Texas. And Utah does not take bowl games lightly, like. Whittingham has a very, very good record. I think he has the best college football coaching record in for playoff or sorry for bowl games. Balls, and then yeah. they got hit in the mouth again by Texas. And I'm like, there's no way a G5 team is going into the Pac 12 and doing what Utah did. And they still, like, Utah still showed that they, they weren't good enough. Yeah. So for me, I'm just, I'm, I'm totally in agreement. I just don't see how that's, how they can really believe that they are a top four well, team.
1: Yeah. The, the 08 Utah team everybody remembers the TCU win, you know, the PYU win was very good. That was a really good team, right? Like um, they remember the Alabama win. Obviously you, you, you remember these top 25 wins, but people forget their first nine games. They had several performances where it's like, Hey, if you're week in week out in a P five conference, you lose, you know, the air force game was terrible. The New Mexico game was poor. Michigan was the worst Michigan team of all time at three and nine. That was not, a top 10 level performance if you get serious about holding them in the same category. Those teams were 42 and 56 combined, you know, their quarterback uh, in, in Brian Johnson, it wasn't all that beautiful in the way he was playing, right? Like they are kind of getting by in some situations. Uh, the win over Weber state wasn't the most impressive. The, the point being is that if you're going against Oregon, Washington, Stanford, USC, UCLA, and all that I'm, you're losing in there, You're losing in there more than once because you can't find that right week with the bad performance. And thank goodness it was New Mexico. You can't do that in that situation. So by the way, the 08 Utah team deserves a ton of credit. I'm just saying like there's the break that comes from a non power five conference. I think you fans could speak to what I'm talking about more than any, because it was a, it was, you know, the two thousands, they experienced it one way and the 2010s they've seen it the other.
0: Yeah, totally agree. Go ahead, Austin. Oh, I just, I just wish they would figure this out sooner rather than later. So we don't do this for another five years. And it's like, okay, in three years, we're going to have two separate championships. Like it took long enough for you to get a playoff. And now, you know, let's just get this figured out and realize it and just get moving forward. So we can all enjoy college football instead of dealing with a Cincinnati or a Utah, you know, some of these teams at UCF, you know, just screaming for an opportunity and just knowing that they're not going to get it. Right. I would much rather, like you said, like a G5, go in there. It would have been awesome to see, you know, a UCF versus a Utah type of situation. And I know Utah's in a power five or whatnot, but still like at that type of level, like that could be, here's a question for you actually. Could a power five school play in like a G5 national championship? If like they... You, they're good enough, but you know they're not good enough to compete in the college football playoff, or with, with that level, I think I'm going way off topic here. There's no I, know, I, would say, to
1: to I know. I think I know where you're going. I think Utah would have won the G5 tournament last year. I, Like, yeah. I, Utah had a 5-7 and seven team in 2013, and I looked at that group and thought, that's the best team Kyle Whittingham's had. That's a really talented group. Boy, there were guys on that team that in the Mountain West, all-conference, in the Pac-12, pedestrian at best. That's where the gap really is. And I'm not trying to be a snob with it. But at the, the end of the day, college football is like this restaurant my wife and I go to. And I'm not going to bash them. But we love this place. We just went there yesterday. And every time we go in, it's the most stressful experience. It's poor service. Uh, <laughs> if you're within the last two hours, they pretty much put all your stuff in a to-go box and pretty much tell you to have a safe drive home. Like They don't want you to stay. They let the garbage pile high. They never take care of the bathroom. They'll turn the volume up in the back as loud as they can. They never clean off a table in the last two hours. You, You know what I mean? Like They could not be less welcome. They could not be asking for us to go somewhere else. I mean, it's so bad. And I complain about it every time. And I take one bite and I'm back. That's, called. That's we deserve better service, but guess what? The next time Nat goes, you want to go there for dinner? I'm like, yeah, yes, I do. And I, and I keep coming back every time. That's college football. And uh, that's what it's been like. So I'm with this. That's also my <laughs> golf
2: game that. for the, for the record. That oh, yes. Was,
1: you
2: know,
0: <laughs> <Yep>. <laughs> um, that's amazing. That okay. one
1: good drive off the box. You're yep. back. That <laughs> uh-huh. one
0: chip sure. to the green from 150 out. I'm pretty yeah. good at this. <laughs> and,
2: and it's always hole 18, by the way. So you, really? you end, off,
0: uh, uh, end off a high note. So,
2: um, okay, let's move on into the NFL for a little bit here. So we talked about it at the start of the episode. Uh, everybody knows from the last episode you were on. Huge Bears guy. Um, you and I had a lot of good discussions last time about how – we thought Anthony Miller was going to have a big year this year, mm-hmm. and I think that he actually stepped up. Like it, maybe the stats don't show it, but I think that he uh, he improved. We talked about Allen Robinson a lot. Obviously, I'm a diehard Allen Robinson guy. Yeah. Uh, he's Allen. Just come just come home this offseason.
1: Yeah.
2: <laughs> we got Trevor Lawrence now. You're like, gonna have a back. new quarterback. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. Um, <laughs> so, um, just tell me what went through your head on Sunday afternoon while as you were watching this game.
1: Everything about that game was very symbolic of what we saw of that team the whole year. I mean, this was one of the worst playoff teams in the history of the NFL. If I was the bears, I wouldn't even count it in my <laughs> history of making the playoffs. I mean, my heart, I tweeted this out. My heart was like, let's go baby bear down, playoffs, anything can happen. NFL. My mind was like, just get your t-shirt and get the hell out. You guys, are absolute you have no business being here i watched every snap of the whole entire season and the whole time i just kept sitting there thinking this is a lucky eight and eight team this is the luckiest eight and eight team and and you watched specific plays which showed you where this team was really at like you're in the playoffs you got a quarterback on a fourth and four who's running for a first down and looks for a spot to get out of bounds short of the sticks on fourth down, just yep, just looking for a spot. Yeah. Here it is. Other teams ball. I couldn't believe it. There was another one. They're down seven, three. They got like a buck 46 to go Two timeouts before halftime. They're going to get the ball after half and they're just trying to get to half. And I'm going, okay, you're playing not to lose. You have to be one of the only teams in the history of this game to be playing not to lose while losing i've never seen that it was unbelievable and i'm sitting there going okay if you're this afraid of the guy that you traded up to get in that situation you've admitted right there you're never going to get him where you want him to go you're never going to get him." everything about that game and the green bay game too right there showed you because they won those three games you wonder all right the old lions showed some things could this team have have they possibly turned a corner here and the Green Bay game and the, uh, the game against uh, the Saints totally showed you that they have not. That with Matt Nagy, and uh, I almost called him Charles, um, but with Coach Nagy and also with Mitch Trubisky and Ryan Pace, you're not going to the 7-11, let alone go somewhere deep in the playoffs. And the one thing that jumped out to me so often, and it happened time and time again in the Saints game, the Packers game, and all season, was the countless amount of times in which the team and the staff showed that they fail miserably at mentally processing the game and when that was bad it never got better i mean receivers going out of bounds a yard short or a foot short yeah you know like on their own just on their own and not knowing when to use timeouts um two 12 men on the field penalties on a defensive game ending drive like you're on defense and you continue a drive because of two 12 men on the field penalties because a guy sprinted and then slowed down five feet before the sideline and got a flag lining up in the neutral zone jumping off offsides when it was clear the saints were never going for that but they did it anyway because they're not mentally processing the game and then the one that jumped out to me the most And Nat and I were talking about, this. my wife and I were talking about this, I showed her the videos of it. We're at the playoff game against Philly two years ago. And they're on that potential game-winning drive. And they got the ball at the 33, first and 10. They throw a seven-yard out to Robinson. He catches it, forward progress at the 26, clocks moving with 31 seconds. And Mitch is looking at the sideline for directions, looking at the sideline for directions, gets directions, spikes it with like 14 seconds left now turns out that they probably weren't going to get a better look than they were at that field goal and he misses and whatever but then two years later you're at home against green bay in a game that may may make or break your chances to go to the playoffs and here you are before halftime mooney goes out of bounds a yard short you got to go for it on fourth down you qb sneak and instead of using one of your three timeouts which you still have around midfield with a minute something to go. You just let all the time wind out as they're unpiling bodies and pretty much make it to where you don't have much of a chance at a touchdown. You're probably going for a field goal now. But then later in the drive, there's a throw that gets them into a good position. And what's Mitch doing two years later? Looking to the sideline, taking forever, can't get the information. Here's the point. In those two years, in these three total years, you better have figured out time score timeouts and exactly what to do the moment the play happens you've gone through those scenarios the fact that that never got better should tell this organization everything and i think they i I, i'm not trying to be the overreactive fan i genuinely believe it it's time to start over in so many different areas because this was as hollow of an eight and eight that you'll ever see
0: well first off i want to apologize um (laughs) Because I died laughing at that. <laughs> just, <laughs> everything you said was, I mean, was spot on. And, and you're a fan and you experienced this. And I think, and that was, I mean, that was honestly the question I was going to ask. It's like, what do you think the future of the Bears is? Like, is it Mitchell Trubisky or Nagy? Do you keep Nagy and move on from Trubisky? Vice versa. You pretty much just answer. It's time to move on from both of them. And it's just clearly yes. doesn't seem to be the answer. The sad part is, though, the Bears still had a chance to compete in that game. against the saints and it's just any opportunity that they had to capitalize they just decided to piss it away Like Mm -hmm. you get a a wide open deep touchdown and you drop it like i can't even say he dropped it he just didn't bring his hands together and if you're an nfl wide receiver i don't think it's been a long time since i've seen that happen like to be that open and just create like a basket for like a basketball just be like come right through this and you get three points Nail. I mean, just swished, right? Like you just heard the net snap with that type of throw in that situation. And it's just, even after that, it, it just felt like the Bears still had an opportunity and that they were slowing down that Saints offense enough to keep their offense in it. And then it just, it never got any better. And at the beginning of the season, I tried to defend Matt Nagy. I was like, Hey, you just get him an actual quarterback you know, someone that can read the defense, understand the situations and games and make the right decision and throws, you'll be fine and he can have a good offense. And then as the year goes on, you know, you see the switch to Nick Foles and I believe it was the Atlanta game. Like, yeah, Trubisky throws one interception. Bam, here comes Nick Foles. And everyone's like, what's going on? Like, you guys are, un- I believe they were undefeated or they had just lost a game at this point in the year. And in my mind, it was like, well, Matt Nagy goes, hey, I just proved to everyone that, Mitchell Trubisky's not the guy. I got to save my ass here. This is my job. I got to bring in Nick Foles. And then everything crumbles. And then he gets to a point where he's like, forget about it. I'm going to bring Trubisky back. And he does. And then they go on like this win streak, right? And they get to eight and eight. They sneak into the playoffs. They have a disappointing type of game against the Packers. It is what it is. But then you come in the playoffs and you still have an opportunity. And like I mentioned, they piss it away. Oh, so yeah. within the future here, you know, there are I believe six head coaching opportunities right now. None of them have been filled yet. I mean, the Bears are kind of running out of time if they don't think Matt Nagy is the answer, or if they do think they want to give Nagy another opportunity here, do you move on from Ryan Payson? Do you move on from Trubisky? Because they didn't they didn't sign, you know, his fifth year option there after taking him in the draft. Um, so he's pretty much gone this offseason, it feels like. But I want to ask you as a Bears fan, what is this team need to be moving forward this offseason? Like Ryan Pace, Matt Nagy, Mitchell Trubisky, Allen Robinson hitting free agency. What do you think here? And something we've talked about here on the podcast, the Bears had a two-year window with that Bears defense. Mm-hmm. That's that's over now. What do you think they need to do, top to it, bottom?
1: They spoiled all of it. Uh, the worst thing that they could do is look at the, like, that's why I hate when people are like, just look at the bottom line. No, don't look at the bottom line. You got to look under the hood. Because if you look at the bottom line, you'd say they never had a losing season. They went to the playoffs twice, right? But you go watch that second year against championship contending teams. They had one meaningful offensive touchdown, one. Um, Against even reasonably decent teams, they had one good game. Um, And then this past year, they're one and seven against playoff teams because Tampa gave them a game. And they finished three and eight. And against anybody with a pulse, they really struggled, man. They just did. And the fact that the the, the biggest thing you have to look at, and one of the biggest mistakes that gets made in any level of competition, especially, is if improvement is ever viewed as absolute sufficiency. So they did improve. Mitch did get better. And they're going to sell it. Mitch got better. Team got better. Made the playoffs, Showed resilience. You've got to look under the hood. And under the hood, there's a problem. And if you listen to Mitch Trubisky in the post game, when he talked about culture being a problem, when he talked about this team could have and should have been a lot better prepared to go compete in that game, like I thought that was very overlooked. I didn't, nobody made a big deal out of that. And I'm like, okay, he clearly was waiting until after the season to make these comments. My opinion, Trubisky is not going to get you anywhere special. Nagy, I'm, I'm sure he's a smart guy, might just be better as a coordinator rather than a head coach. And Ryan Pace, you know what? Hey, you believed in something. You went after it. You were wrong. And, you you know, big risk, big reward, but also a big loss if you miss. And he missed badly. And he mortgaged a lot of the future. And I know that Mahomes and Watson were out there, but I'm more disappointed in the fact that he was wrong. And, you know, Nagy sold the pace in his interview that he could turn Trubisky into something. And, Then they both had to convince themselves that they were still going to be right. And it was an inevitability, but you could clearly see that Trubisky can make a play here or there, but to become a consistent playmaker to lead your team to somewhere great, it's not there. It's not there. So yeah, you've got to move. Even if that means you were six and 10 next year, starting over with a lot of a different roster, you got to do it. And there's some really good coaches out there, by the way, really good so many good coaches
2: um and it's not like the bears have announced it but there are reports from nfl execs believe the bears are keeping Nagy and pace for one more year yeah. um that that came out t- this afternoon which again nothing from the bears officially but um usually when those reports are said they usually come true but so yeah it's tough it's tough to see um it really is and for me like watching that game what actually before I forget, did you watch it on uh CBS or did you watch Maybe, it on Nickelodeon? <laughs> I saw the highlights
1: on Nickelodeon. That's pretty awesome. <laughs> I watched
2: I watched the first half on Nickelodeon. I thought it was really cool. Like it was very it was very cool to try to get a younger generation into football. But by like halftime, I was like, okay, like I'm kind I'm kind of over this. Like I I want to just like listen to like Tony Romo talk a little bit and you know <laughs> like that type of stuff. Like so, anyways, curious there. But for me, like watching that game, it was so hard to watch Trubisky like first read oh shit it's it's not there and it was almost like he forgot what his second and third read was where he kind of just like sat there just dazed and confused for a second where it was like oh yeah okay that's the play I'm supposed to now look over here oh well it's too late and now I'm getting sacked so that was super frustrating and two one thing that Austin and I talked about uh last week was with Trubisky and how he can run why did like, we thought they were going to use that to the advantage. Cause like, look what this, look what the, you know, the Eagles did to the saints. Look what the, exactly what
1: we were talking about.
2: You know, like it's that type of stuff, like use the leg of the quarterback to really make it. So it opens things up. So Trubisky has these big gaps. So we all know you can miss by like three feet around Allen Robinson and that dude's still going to catch the ball. So, like, make it as easy as possible. And the dude had three rushes for 10 yards. Like, it just made no sense to me. The game
1: plan at all. It didn't. And I thought at the start of the second half, okay, this might be a good drive to use something like Trubisky's legs, you know? Um, The other thing was, I thought teams really found quality opportunities to use Mitch against himself when they're like, give him the easy throw so he won't make the right throw. Third and eight, give him the easy throw. We'll tackle him four yards short of the first down. They're punting. It's our ball. I never felt like on third and eight on third and 11, like, here we go, sit back, plant that back foot and make a throw. I never felt like either the trust wasn't there or that uh, he didn't have the ability to do it or to read it, whatever it was, it wasn't there. And the bears wasted a crazy amount of talent, in my opinion, with this group. Uh, Robinson's a great number one. I think he's one of the best five receivers in the NFL I think Mooney was a terrific number two in a very great bright spot Uh, that like the, the, and, and Anthony Miller, who you and I were both very big on, I'm not just saying this because they're on my favorite team. I see their speed, their talent, their ability. And I just mentally can see them in a different place and a different offense and going, this guy, this guy's fantastic. Uh, I thought their tight ends were really good and, and very versatile. I, I just, I looked at the team overall, and then defensively. I think uh, Austin, you're the one who said it. I think that they they missed that window of a defense that that was regressing, no doubt, but had a chance to still be pretty good. They, I think, I think this was a huge missed opportunity. I thought they just kind of flexed their way to eight and eight, and instead they're going to try to convince the front office that they were one bounce here and one play there. And anybody who watched them knows it's BS. It's complete BS. And uh, from head coach to quarterback to GM, I'm not just saying this because my favorite team isn't as good as I want them to be. Uh, th- there, There's nothing there that makes me go, oh my gosh, they're going to be elite someday. You have to be good in those areas. And they're not.
0: They're just flat or out not. For next year, I have, a, I, I shouldn't say I have a feeling. It seems clear that Mitchell Trubisky is not coming back, even with how he played there at the end of the year. Mm-hmm. Um, I was actually thinking about this on my way home tonight uh, after doing radio, and I never got to on the topic to discuss it. But after seeing what the New England Patriots did this year with Cam Newton, and then just kind of watching him fall apart as the year continued to go on, like you know the injuries with the shoulder, and then just not being very fast, like it caught up with him, right? And so New England just wasn't working, and it clicked. Like if New England kind of wants to keep that same type of, or that same style of play and move forward with that type of quarterback, maybe they could be a landing spot for Mitchell Trubisky moving forward. Mm -hmm. And then that opens the door for the bears to get a new quarterback. Do you want to find that in the draft? Because right now I believe you guys are set um, to pick, I believe at 16 or 17, um, in the draft it might be a little bit higher than that of course it it's got to be like 20 i think it was 20 it's 20 or 21 yeah
2: it's 21 i think yeah.
0: okay yeah. yeah so being in that spot like do you want to trade up and get a quarterback of the future it's actually 20 sorry um do you want to f- trade up and get a quarterback or do you want to get one of these veterans who you know might not be on a team next year and just kind of see if you can find a way to keep alan robinson yeah
1: oh well, i first of all i totally understand like the idea of, okay, can they get a quarterback? I don't think this is the deepest quarterback draft. Uh, I think it's a good quarterback draft. I just don't think it's the, the deepest. Um, and the gap between one and two is pretty notable. And Justin's boys are going to go take, uh, uh, you know, we, we all know what you're going to take. You're going to take Trevor Lawrence. But when, when I look at them and say, okay, it's time to start over in that way. Yeah. Finding a veteran could work, but I think you have to find a veteran with a coach that knows how to work with different players who've been in the league. You know, with Nick Foles being there, gosh, I was like, man, I really like Doug Peterson a lot. You know, I, I like Eric Bieniemy as a guy that could, you know, be a head coach. Like, there's some really good head coaches out there, and quite frankly, I, ne- I think it needs to start there. Um, and so, for them to be able, the, the one thing you know is is Mitchell's not the answer. So even if you don't have the answer at quarterback this year, you've got to start over. I think they may have to really take a step back before they take a step forward. And sometimes NFL teams. Get very afraid to do that because they don't want to look wrong, right? They want to look right. They want to look correct. So maybe standing pat becomes their answer. And then when the Bears like oh, Lovey Smith, Mark Tressman was the wrong hire, but Lovey Smith getting rid of Lovey even at ten and six was not the worst decision ever. You just got to make sure you find the guy that can actually you know get you better. People forget Lovey Smith was zero and sixteen in his last sixteen road games. That were against teams that made the playoffs. And a lot of these losses were like black eye, horrible, 54 to 11. Like, I mean, bad, bad losses. Maybe that one wasn't his, but like 45 to 10 type losses, never in it. And so the point was, you know, you want to find somebody who could take this talent and compete better against the elite teams. Well, Mark Trussman was clearly a disastrous hire. So just because he was a bad hire does not mean moving on from Lovey was a bad move. I thought the Bengals for all those years with Marvin Lewis. Uh, I thought, you know, even if you, I think that they sometimes were so afraid to miss on their next hire that they just stood pat and found themselves in a really weird spot for so many years. And I'm really afraid, as you talked about, Justin, with the the, the reports coming out, that the bears are going to bring back Nagy and bring back that they're, they're going to find themselves in that position. And I think it's too bad because the ownership has just done a poor job of recognizing truly what wins and what gets you to elite levels in the national football league and so uh you know like even if you had to start over at quarterback and start over at head coach and even if that meant you know you got to move on from some players that that you really really like and you got to start over a little bit even if it meant one step back before you took some steps forward you might have to do that but sitting here in this middle ground Like they're not going anywhere special next year with Nagy and, and Trubisky. And I mean, it's not, it's not how they're not one player or one play or one thing away. And the examples I gave you are so glaring that there's certain problems they've had that have never gotten better. And some of those are very much self-inflicted. And so when your quarterback's talking about culture, after a third year head coach, you've had plenty of time to instill culture. You're in the playoffs, and you didn't think your team was was, was prepared enough to give yourself a chance to win? And, and as a front office and an ownership, you're going to say, yeah, bring them on back. <laughs> this is competitive sports. If this was a cooperative activity or recreational level, you say, it doesn't matter. It's slow pitch. Who cares? But that's not what this is. I mean, hell, Doug Peterson just got fired. Exactly. But Doug Peterson got, oh, my gosh.
0: And that, guy's out there.
1: that guy exactly. is out there right now. And the Bears are like, ah, the snaggy guy. Okay. <laughs>
0: yeah,
2: totally. Yeah. Like, think about it. Doug Peterson, 2017, wins the Super Bowl. Yeah. 2018, if Alshon Jeffrey can catch a ball, oh my they're, in the, they're in the NFC Championship <laughs> game. 2019, that that team was very good. Mm-hmm. They were a Jadavion Clowney cheap shot that made it so they lost. And then this Plenty year was of injuries. Obviously, obviously a disaster with injuries and everything. So like yeah. three out of four years, fantastic for Doug Peterson. And now he's let go. Yeah. Given, I, I think he probably saw like, it's impossible to fix this cap situation. And I'm going to have to release all my good players and probably going to have to trade my top five overall pick because like we literally can't afford him. Um, so I'm going to get the hell out of here. But anyway, <laughs> <laughs> um, so... And I say this about a lot of teams and maybe it's just because I love the guy, but like Mike McDaniel, the offensive run coordinator for the 49ers is like a perfect fit for the bears because they want to be running the ball and they have guys like Montgomery and Cohen when he gets back from the, obviously the ACL injury, Mm -hmm. but like you can do that. And then you don't really need to worry about like, you can wait a year for a quarterback to find one if it's free agency or in the draft or whatnot, because you're going to be a run first team. And I think that, I just love Mike McDaniel and I think he deserves a head coaching job. Um, so like, I just advocate for him anywhere, but like yes. now that I think about it, the bears are like a really good spot because they want to be a running team anyways. So yeah,
1: there's really good coaches to hire as coordinators looking for upgrades or head coaching job. I mean, you're just looking at it going, Oh my gosh, this, you know, we talk about draft. Is it a good draft? Is it better? This is a great off season for coaches Underappreciated and undervalued Eric B I mean, this is this guy. I think would would fit really, really well with what they're doing, especially if you want to talk about bringing in Deshaun Watson, which might be, you know, the answer to that. I'm not sure exactly how they put that together, but I mean that that is an option. Those are two guys that, that, like, that could work well. Like, that's a situation that's possible.
2: Doug- Peter- I tweeted that out last week, or the other yeah. day, actually, that the Bears should. I'm like, first round, second round, this year, next year, find <laughs> a way. I'm like, just find a way to get him. Like, you guys messed up in 2016. Or yes! 17. Like, like make it right. I'm like, even if you have to throw Khalil Mack in there at this point, given this year, it's going to be hard because it's like a $35 million cap hit for you guys if <laughs> you guys trade him. Like, next year, you guys actually have an out of $12 million, which I think you guys need to get out of because he's getting paid probably Mm -hmm. too much for what he does at this point in his career but like if you guys can like you do whatever you can like i even said this i'm i'm a i'm obsessed with with trevor lawrence like my wife is terrified about how much i like him i would Mm -hmm. give up pick one pick 25 and 33 for deshaun watson (laughs) <laughs> like, I, because I'm like I already know he's, I already know he's fantastic. Like yeah. I don't need to worry about like what, what happens if Trevor Lawrence doesn't have all of the best players, Like I don't have to worry about that with Deshaun Watson. I know he's fucking good. So like, I just want him, like, <laughs> you know, like that's how yeah. I feel.
1: Well, so. instead of basing something on a hope and a prayer, you know, and I think yeah. the Bears fans, they would be like, yeah, it sucks to have to admit you missed this now, but at least you made it right. You missed him the first time. You got a chance to get him the second time. He's right there. He's hungry to go out and and, and have success and win and, and play with some talent around him. Um, you know, I think it'd be a great scenario. I think it'd be a great situation. Um, but I think right now in Chicago, you have way too much pride hanging on, and this is a very difficult thing when people in in positions of leadership will not give into the fact that they missed, that they were wrong, that they have to, you know, you have to admit to your boss. I took a swing. I missed. I want to try to make it right. And instead I, I, in so many different ways, they want to believe that, no, I did hire the right coach. And then this little thing went wrong here. And it, it sounds to me that pace or Andrew and or, Nagy or whoever else is great at selling to the McCaskey family, that, you know, uh, that they're not that far away. And it, it, like I said, you look under the hood, they're light years away. I mean, that, that, that performance against the Rams. I mean, it's just, it was like, dude, you are nowhere in the neighborhood. You know, the Panthers dropped six passes. That was a huge break to win that game. The lions dropped a game winning touchdown in week one, the Falcons, the Falcons, uh, you know, I mean, all <laughs> of that happened. Tampa literally handed over a game to you. I still can't believe the Buccaneers blew that game. The, the point is all of it together to sell or to try and convince yourself that, that this team is in a position to do anything great. I mean, you're just, you're blind. You're totally blind. And I don't know. I don't, I don't see it. I haven't seen enough that shows me, okay, they've lost, but I can see where this guy is going to make the step. I can see where he has the tools. I can see where this mixture is going to pay off. You can sell me on the chargers talent right now. I think if they get a great coach, they could be dang good. I'm actually oh, yeah. looking at that team going, dude, Watch out for that group. I don't feel that way about the Bears. I don't. I don't feel. I don't. I don't feel that they're one thing away. I think there are plenty. Plenty more pieces than people realize. So, making the playoffs was nice. If you look at the vehicle from a distance, you say, "Hey, they're okay." But you look under the hood and you go, "Well, there's there's problems." It's like the mechanic who plugs in the the little what the diagnostic test and it's got like fifty five codes. I mean, the vehicle's running. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> you know, it looks fine. But it's got like 55 codes and any which one of those is going to lead to a massive repair.
0: For sure. It's just telling you to scrap it at this point. Just (laughs) scrap the car.
2: Yeah, Yeah, take the a couple bucks while you can get it. Um, (laughs) All right, cool. Well, everybody, that does it for us. Uh, Tony, thank you again for coming on. Um, Before we go on, want you to be able to promote anything that you've been working on, any sort of fundraisers or anything that you want kind of plugged here. So I'll leave it up to you for the next minute.
1: Yeah, um, look, first of all, big thanks to everybody uh, who helped out with the virtual Santa visits that we had uh, during the holidays. Uh, It was really special. A lot of special needs kids were very worried this year about a lot of things, right? Because their world has been very different, like everybody's, but it's extremely disruptive uh, to the life of special needs kids. And they were all afraid that Santa wasn't coming this year. They really, really were. So, uh, big thanks to Santa for coming here, uh, right here in our living room, and, and doing countless Santa visits with several families across the country. Um, and uh, he didn't mean to intimidate them with his knowledge about what's going on with those kids and cleaning their room and things like that. But, you know, but Santa's, you know, he's got game. Uh, the other one, um, big thanks to the Humane Society of Utah. Uh, my wife and I have always done our best to, uh, we, we, um, sponsor and adopt a lot of animals um, and then uh, give them away during the holidays and stuff for families that, that want to adopt a, a cat or a dog. Um, and they uh, are going to honor our family um, and our daughters uh, with their new Kitty City that will be coming out in the coming months. So we look forward to that. And then uh, also um, just, yeah, a, a huge thanks to ESPN 700 for allowing me to host and fill in Spence it's uh, big tip of the hat to you to say, "Hey, man, I believe you've got what it takes to host this show anytime I'm not here. And the Utah Jazz, thanks for bringing me back with everything uh, uh, to MC the jazz games. that's it's it's really been great. it's It's been great to to just have any sort of normalcy, and I'll take it in every which way. But thanks to everyone for all their love and support. It's been a weird year for me for everyone, um, but you know, getting used to some new normals, not just in terms of the social aspect, but the um, uh, the job aspect day-to-day, um, you know, it's been great. And thanks to you guys. I mean, you guys have had me on. It's great to talk football. And so you can follow me on all channels of social media at Tony Parks 801 and uh, check out the Tony Parks podcast. I'll be talking a lot of NFL playoffs, uh, college football, jazz, you name it. We're going to cover it right there. So it, it, this was a lot of fun and and thanks for giving me the chance to promote that.
2: Yeah, absolutely. All right tacos that does it for us tonight and tonight we've been talking football